Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, Brian Edwards, Nathan Cravat. I'm JC Grove. Guys, how you been this week? I got to be honest. I've been a little under the weather. It's been a rough one. You're sounding a little bit uh, hoarse tonight, JC. I'm all mixed up. My nose is running. My feet are smelling. <laughs> I don't know what happened, man. I tell you, after the uh, last episode that we did, that live YouTube, man, that night, something just started hitting me. I was like, oh, no, is this the Rona again? But I've been walking around smelling everything, and I haven't lost my smell or taste. And then we got tested. I got daggum strep throat. Horrible. Oh, man. But, oh, yeah. man. It's been Your fun. whole family's been sick, right? Yeah, Little Red, uh, the day that we did the YouTube live, uh, she uh, went home and she was just not feeling well at all. And then it just worked its way through the house. And I was like, man, if this is COVID again, we're going to be the only people that we know that's getting it twice. But it's the kids are all better. They've bounced back. I've been in bed for two days. I look like daggum Rudolph blowing my nose so much. But <laughs> it's all good. At least we're on here. And I'm on antibiotics. And uh, they got me on steroids. And so somebody's going to complain that we're using steroids, whatever. But I'm feeling better. Ready for this weekend. We got a big yeah, weekend Yeah, you got to be feeling better by this weekend, buddy. Oh, yeah. We got the RFP meetup coming to town, Statesboro, Georgia. It's the RFP meetup, man. And uh, I am, I'm fired up about this, I am guys. so excited, man. It's going to be a good time. Justin should have emailed out the schedules to all of you who have signed up. And uh, we have about 45 spots left uh, for this meetup this weekend. And, uh, man, we are just excited to meet you and uh, hang out in community, eat. My wife is going to be cooking. Dude, my wife Come on, can Kim can cook. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then breakfast on Saturday morning. We're just going to have a time of singing and a, a, a word. And uh, I'm, and that may come as a surprise to some people because we didn't really talk about doing anything Saturday morning. So, hey, yeah, we're giving you a little bit more if you want it. I just got to thinking, I mean, we, we were talking and, like, people are staying the night. Let's just get back together on Saturday morning and eat breakfast together. It so, just makes sense. It's just community. There is no That's real it. schedule for this other than we're just going to hang out and we want to meet you and uh, get some pictures. Well, you know, JC, I think that proves that we actually love people. You know, critics can say whatever they want to say, but at the end of the day, we we love the people who are part of the RFP family. Yeah. And when you love people, you want to spend time together. So I think that's it's true. awesome. I'm just excited to, to watch the RFP family continue to grow. We know of meetups that are happening up in Michigan, uh, down in Texas, out, out west in like the Phoenix area and also up in Seattle, there's some folks that are getting together. And I love hearing that because the RFB family is not just us, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not us three, it's all of us. And uh, that's what I'm excited about to, uh, to get together with them this weekend. Hey, we so. had, we had new two new families at church this week that were connected through the podcast That's awesome. and we got to have conversations with them and got to have lunch with one of the families and man, just, just really cool. And a couple of them are coming to the meetup this weekend. So I'm Sweet. looking forward to seeing them there. And that is fantastic. Great to hear. It, it really is. If you have not signed up yet, we got about 45 spots left. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org and click on the meetup tab. This is a free event. You just got to pay for it, your lodging and uh, come and hang out with us this Friday and Saturday morning at the meetup. While you're on the website, go ahead and click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP, get 20% off of your order. But 
If you're coming to the meetup, Miss McCribbin sent me a big old box of free life soap <laughs> stuff. We got beard oil and solid cologne and soap. There's so much soap that we're going to be giving out this weekend, man. Wait, I'm, I'm fired do, up. Do we, do we have to share that, JC? I may have taken a couple out already for myself. <laughs> <laughs> we get to cherry pick it. There will be plenty to go around. There will be plenty of free life soap to go around this weekend at the meetup. Recoveringfundamentalist.org. You can get your ticket and your free life soap. And I'm excited about meeting so many of you this weekend. Nate, you want to give us a little preview for what we're going to be talking about in today's episode? Yeah, JC. Today we're going to be talking about the qualifications of an elder or a pastor and what it means to be disqualified because we saw a lot growing up. We yeah. saw guys that were disqualified. We saw guys that should have been disqualified that continued on in ministry. Yeah. And we even have guys weekly now that come after us that from scripture we're going to show today that a lot of these jokers are not qualified to call themselves pastors. So that's mm. where we're going today. I don't know how to pique your interest any better. <laughs> Buckle up and hold on. Y'all ready? Let's go. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long-tongued heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. There'll be seven frosties in hell for this boy of Patona Pair of Pink Underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're just going to jump right into this episode on the qualifications of a pastor. So, Brian, since you're the one that carries me and JC all the time, what does it mean to be above reproach? <laughs> oh, we're so childish. Well, no one should ever be able to bring a disqualifying accusation against you that is truthful and legitimate. If anyone says anything that is ultimately disqualifying, it should be provable as a false accusation. So, mm. and two, Nathan, when I think about above reproach, for me it actually gets really heavy really fast because the Bible says we are to walk in a manner worthy of the mm. gospel of Jesus Christ. Think yeah. about think about the glory of the gospel, the magnitude of, of the gospel, the majesty of the gospel. The gospel mm. is the greatest news that the world will ever hear. The news Amen. that the world desperately needs to hear. And we're to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And then in addition to that, as preachers of the gospel, we're to walk in a, in a manner that is worthy of the gospel and declaring the gospel to people mm. who are in need of the gospel. My mind goes to Psalm 23. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So when I think about above reproach, I think about living a life for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ 
in a way mm. that is not only worthy of your calling, but that is worthy of the gospel. Yeah. Do you guys think that above reproach means to be perfect? No. Absolutely not. I think there's a lot of people that think they are perfect, and that's why they're <laughs> their own judge of reproach, above reproach. And you see these guys because they don't put guardrails up, and they're going yeah. off cliffs. And, you know, I think being mm -hmm. above reproach means that you're humble enough to put up guardrails, to say, hey, yeah. I do need help in this area. I have to have accountability. We're all one decision away from stupid. And so it's yeah. putting up those guardrails that says this is in place to keep me above reproach yeah that's good man uh and in titus 1 and first timothy 3 give us the qualifications of a pastor and we see some other places uh second peter talks about it or first peter talks about it as well but i heard one person say that above reproach is basically defined by all of the other qualifications that you see in scripture mm. so I've, I've heard a lot of pastors talk about being above reproach and try to try to really squeeze that into their own mold but scripture gives us at least 17 qualifications that if you fit these and that doesn't mean perfectly but if the pattern of your life is aimed at these things and that's what you're known for then you fit that category so let me just go through scripture and summarize these real quick and again you can find these in titus 1 and timothy first timothy 3 but first of all a pastor must be devoted to his wife a one-woman man, that one is very controversial. We'll, we'll leave that and come back to it later. A pastor's children must be in submission, though not perfect. A pastor is a faithful steward. The, the term that's used there is overseer. So, number four, a pastor must be humble, not arrogant. Mm. You know, growing up, I would have thought arrogance was a requirement for being a pastor. Let's just yeah. be honest. But yeah. a pastor must be humble. A pastor, number five, must be gentle, not quick-tempered. Number six, a pastor must be sober. He's not a drunkard. Number seven, a pastor must be peaceful. He's not violent. A pastor must have financial integrity. He's not greedy for gain. A pastor must be hospitable. I'll just let that one sit and simmer for a moment. Hospitable. To anybody. A yeah. A pastor must be a lover of good. A pastor must be self-controlled. Mm. And, and that's in every area of his life. His diet, hello. His time, his mouth, his exercise, his relationships, money, sex, all these different areas of life. And that's a struggle to be self-controlled. But that is one of the qualifications. A pastor must be upright. He has integrity in his relationships and how he treats other people. He must be holy. A pastor must be able to teach. Hello. I think we need to sit on that one for just a minute. We'll come back to it. But at the, the bare minimum qualification, guys, come on. If you can't teach or preach, what are you doing? Okay. I a lot digress. of people use a lot of words and say nothing. Oh, my goodness. Number 15, a pastor must be spiritually mature. A pastor must be respectable. And another way of saying that is he's viewed in high regard by outsiders, by non-Christians. Yeah. He's viewed well by the community that's outside of the faith. Number 17, a pastor must be an example to the flock. 
So those are the 17, and I, th- I think people could get technical and add a few more in there. But boy, for me, that's enough. That's <laughs> yeah. if, if you fit all those 17 qualifications, I think it could be fair to say you're above repro- reproach. And Nathan, it's encouraging that we started out with that doesn't mean perfect. Right. So no. I don't want any of the pastors listening to this to walk away from this believing that we are saying that we believe we are or we believe no. the standard is absolute perfection. You know, the Apostle Paul was the apostle to the New Testament church. He was given the gospel of the New Testament church. He had gifts in abundance, even the ability to raise the dead. But in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul set apart by Jesus Christ in a remarkable way. Paul said, I battle indwelling sin to the extent that I'm slow to do what I should do and I'm quick to do what I shouldn't do. The Apostle Paul confessed, I can't even force myself to do the things I should and I can't force myself to stop doing the things that I shouldn't. So if that was the Apostle Paul, how much more so, I mean, because none of us are equal with the Apostle Paul. There's not a pastor alive today who could claim equality with the Apostle Paul in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so if the Apostle Paul battled the indwelling of sin, then then we're going to battle the indwelling of sin. Where did we get the idea that we had to be perfect, and why did pastors ever start that charade to begin with? Mm. If the Apostle Paul was honest Mm. about his struggles, why aren't pastors more honest about their struggles? We lust, we gossip, we are selfish, we at times are are complacent, we're indifferent, we're, I mean, just go down the list. We battle Mm. every sin that anyone in the congregation ever battles. So it doesn't mean perfect. You know, we were kidding you earlier about carrying us because some of our uh, haters uh, made a couple comments this week, but actually that was kind of funny. It it made me laugh. And the truth is you've been pastoring for over 30 years. So there's a degree of truth to what he was saying. Let's just be honest. I mean, JC and I both defer to you and we both look up to you, not just that you're so much older than us, but you do have a lot of wisdom and we we really do love you. And as as an eight year old kid, when you started preaching, I would have looked to you as a very wise man. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. I didn't mean to bring that up. I was trying to compliment you and then I kind of, uh, kind (laughs) of jabbed you again, but honestly we do, we do love you and respect you. So I, I would love to hear some of what you have learned and the things that have really shaped you and the things that are guardrails in your life and really the things that, uh, you see that are glaring, glaring discrepancies and things that even qualify as disqualifying in the life of a pastor? Well, first of all, um, I'd have to be honest and say that I'm incapable of carrying anyone on my shoulders. Uh, (laughs) As a matter of fact, I stood this past weekend and before our congregation, I let them know that church people, hypocrites, or sinners is not the biggest issue in my life, but the biggest issue in my life 
is the idiot that I look at in the mirror every single morning. Amen. And uh, he gives me more difficulty and more struggle and more trouble. He causes me to stumble more. Mm. He deceives me more than anyone else who has any involvement in my life whatsoever. So, mm. so guys, I could never carry either one of you, but you definitely carry your own selves well. Um, Nathan, you know, th- those were several questions that cover kind of a, a wide range of kind of a 30,000 foot view of pastoral ministry. Um, I think the one thing that is really stark to me is the fact that I, I wore the title pastor for years without really doing the job. Well, Mm. that uh, I was addressed as pastor by people when I really didn't pastor. Well, I didn't pastor them. Mm. Well, I didn't pastor myself. Well, and I didn't pastor my home well. I think the thing that's really, I think the thing that's really gripped my heart over the past few years, and and when I say few years, I'm talking about just the past few years, is that this responsibility of pastoring is incredibly heavy. That first of all, we have to guard ourselves against committing spiritual adultery with the bride of Christ. That's one of the things I see as disqualifying for pastors. Pastors love to have the affection of the bride. They love to have the attention of the bride. They love to be praised or noticed by the bride. They love to be doted over by the bride. And I would just say to every single pastor listening, we are courting the bride of another man. If we do our job well, the church doesn't love us more. The church loves Jesus more. Mm. My goodness. And I think so often pastors look to receive self-gratification from the bride of Christ. I just wonder how that's going to go over on judgment day when we stand before Jesus and he looks at us and he says, I'll dare you crawl in the bed with my wife. Mm. Um, I think that happens so frequently. And it's ultimately disqualifying. But but looking back over the last 30 years and, and then now these recent years, as I'm nearer to the judgment seat than I've ever been before, Romans 14 is, is quickly approaching me that I will stand before God and give an account of myself. And Nathan, it terrifies me to give an account for the way I have treated pastoral ministry. Um, stop and think about this. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, that we are to care for the flock of God. And then it it just raises the standard to worlds unknown with this expression or this phrase, which Christ purchased with his own blood. Yeah. Stop and think about it. We are... We're leading people. We're interacting with people. We're advising people. We're having relationships and friendships with people Mm. that Jesus Christ died to save. Mm. I don't know that it gets any heavier than the death of Christ and the suffering of the cross and, and all that he endured. We are caretakers of the people purchased by his blood. Mm-hmm. That makes pastoral ministry so critical. John MacArthur said this, and it's just 
one of the heaviest statements I've ever, ever heard with regard to pastoral ministry. He said this, the mandate for every pastor from God is to follow the example of the great shepherd in the pursuit of the sanctification of his people through his word. That mm-hmm. our goal for the body Amen. of Christ is Christ's goal for his own body and that is that they would be sanctified that that more and more they would they would shine in his likeness more and more they would mm. reflect him that should affect the way we preach that should affect the way we disciple that yeah. should affect the way we interact and by the way pastors the female members of the church were paid for by the blood of yeah. Christ in the Amen. same way the male members yeah. of Amen. the church were paid for with the blood of Christ. Pastor, right. you have no right to be flirtatious with women in the church. You have no right to hug them inappropriately. You have no right to speak to them inappropriately. You have no right. And I think pastors often, because of what's missing in their own lives, they mm. ultimately sin against the female members who... Sure. Yeah are a part of the church paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's just I think one of the yeah, I think one of the biggest ways pastors sin against the women of God's flock is by belittling them. Sure. And by uh really taking them lightly and acting like acting like they're second class citizens. We we've seen that in our all throughout our ministries and that dishonors Christ as well. I think something that's disqualifying that that if it's not disqualifying it should at least be dealt with and taken seriously. Who do pastors share their sinful tendencies with? You know, as Hope Church pastors and Nathan, you've been a part of that mm-hmm. when we sit in a room for hours and we share the explicit truth of everything we're struggling with everything we're dealing with you know pastors are really good at burying things in a hidden closet in the house and and we really learn to be great imposters because we impersonate a close relationship with Jesus when really Jeez. there's great distance mm-hmm. between between Jesus and us it's you know true. we we impersonate that we are on fire for God when really we're inwardly cold in our own hearts. I think if pastors would start being honest about their sin, if pastors would start being honest about their struggles, if pastors would be transparent, then you wouldn't hear the abuse that was revealed in the clip that we heard this past week. I wonder how often you stop to think, I'm fixing to see my pastor. I wonder if I'm prepared. Uh, I know this is very selfish and self-serving. I understand in dealing with that in your mind. That's why i got to keep reminding you I understand that. But you do understand that is your responsibility. You're saying, Pastor, you're acting like I can't have any problems. Don't you understand? Your problems will be taken care of. God's not going to make it so you can't be cared for. Your pastor's not going to... But if the pastor's not having to deal with your sorry, stinking face during the preaching, looking like you're so freaking convicted. Right. 
Some of you, I'm looking at you, I'm preaching, I'm going, man, I, got, I, I honestly am not refreshed by your face. What I'm seeing here is conviction. What I'm seeing here is, man, I, I can't, I, almost, almost a conviction, like, I'm, not just conviction, it's almost like bitterness. Like, you're not giving me the right to have a bad day. You know something, you could really, you need war stories. You don't have any. It's all about your feelings hurting. They hurt my daughter. They hurt my son. And they, they hurt my wife. And they hurt my husband. I'm, I'm so hurt. I, I don't know if I can go on. I'm so hurt. Well, just die. <laughs> Crazy idiot. Refreshing servant is a generous servant. He's caring for his pastor's physical needs. He's generous. Nothing encourages me more, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be self-serving or dropping hints because I want this. But it's so encouraging when I will show up somewhere and somebody has just gotten there with a Starbucks. That's always encouraging to me. And I, I, I don't know if they think they're getting brownie points, but they are. They are. If, if they're doing it because they love their pastor, that's, that's refreshing. And nothing's, listen, uh, if, if you're one of these people that are going to sit back and be bitter all the time and be mad because this kind of sermon's preached and you got convicted, and, and listen, it's not going to surprise you. You're not going to ever want to do anything for your pastor. You're not going to want to do anything for him. It's not going to be something like in the middle of the day you think, oh, I'm going to go get my pastor a sweet tea or, a, or, or I'm just going to stop in and see him or I'm going to... I want to do something to encourage him physically. I'm going, to, I'm going to go by and see if his lawn needs mowed. Thank you. Mowed my lawn today. I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, what's he thinking? This guy's a slave? That's exactly how Philemon thought when he got the letter from Paul. What is this guy? This guy a slave? No, Paul just said, hey, I'm coming. Take care of me. Just, just, just take care of me. That's refreshing. And I'm preaching this from the standpoint of trying to help you to be the best Christian, the best church member. Do you want to just sit like a bump on the log and not be productive? Or would you like, would you like to be part of something that's exciting? To, to say that you had your hands on it, that you were part of it. When, listen, when Philemon stood, uh, left this world and went to heaven, I guarantee you, God said, hey, Onesimus is really doing something for me. And if, it, if you wouldn't have taken him in, he would have never done anything. When a man's been in a church about five years, the church takes on his personality, if they're paying attention. That's why a man better be right. If he's big hearted, they'll be big hearted. If he's a tight, tight, wad master, that's what they'll be. If he's generous, they'll be generous. God's man comes to teach people how to be generous. You are. He is. And you be generous with him. I'll tell you one thing. You can mark the blessing. If, if a church got the blessing on it, you can mark it when they started being good to their pastor. I'm telling you, it works. He works. Amen. See, where I pastor, they spoil me to death. And it's not necessarily me. It's who I represent. I represent God. And they love me because God called me and sent me. And man, they spoil me. They, me and my wife, they, they still give all my children. My, my boy in December will be 39, my oldest boy. They still give all my children gifts at Christmas. You don't think I love them? Give me and my wife birthday gifts. I ain't talking about $50 now. 
I know my gifts. Anniversaries. Man. Good to me. They buy everything I need to study. If I need a book, they buy it. If I need a laptop, they buy everything I need to study. If I, I, listen, I ain't bought a piece of paper or a pen and I don't know how long. They buy it. They buy my suits. Good to me. Good to me. The church is not a political two-party system. It's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. And they accuse him of being a dictator. I have been accused of this. Every independent Baptist pastor I know has been accused of this. Of being a dictator. They're controlling. Amen. Amen. Because they're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. Brian, the contrast of what you just described as being a pastor, as being an overseer and shepherd and caretaker of God's flock and how serious that is versus what we just listened to and some other clips that I've listened to this week in preparation for this episode. Guys that say the, the primary job of the flock is to revere their pastor and prepare themselves for their pastor. And it's almost as if the flock exists for the pastor and the flock exists and they should love the pastor more than anything else. That belittles Christ. It belittles the office. It belittles the flock. It belittles scripture. What I just heard you say and what I've listened to so much this week in these clips is so different. Nathan, one of the worst things to ever happen in fundamentalism is this. When man of God became a title rather than a pursuit. My goodness. A little while back, um, I was preaching in a service, and the pastor introduced me as the man of God. Mm. And I actually walked to the platform, and I said to the congregation, that's a title that I don't accept. I want to be a man of God. I want to pursue being man of God, but I'm not a man of God by virtue of a title. Yeah. I'm a man of God by virtue of being fully committed to the pursuit of the yeah. heart of Jesus Christ. Brian, that brings up a good point. In the Bible, Paul calls Timothy a man of God. There are other people that are called man of God. I don't know that I've ever seen a man call himself a man of God. In scripture or demand that other people call him that mm -mm. yeah it's it it really it really presents a man as a god mm. rather than to be a man of god is to be yielded and submitted to god it's to understand the continual act of worship which is all that i am and all that i have surrendered to all that he is man of god is actually not a title man of god is actually a compliment bestowed by god on a man not for who he is in public but for who he is in secret yeah i think we've been doing this podcast for well over a year and there's a lot of these clips that we hear there's a lot of these sermons like before we started this podcast I was not listening to this garbage and it's like over this last year listening to these messages and things and I don't know guys I just my heart 
has switched so much from wanting to expose this junk to really praying for their salvation, like for praying yeah. for them to to come to know Jesus, like mm. everything that they're doing, like what we just heard Bill say in that clip is not Jesus. Like that's not what a follower of his, much less a man that claims to be a pastor would ever say. Mm. My heart just breaks, to be honest with you. When I hear this stuff, it's it's getting old, to be honest. Yeah, I heard a guy this week say that he represents God to his people. What? Mm. Is there any way that we represent God. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and he is God. He's God in the flesh. He possesses the full deity of the Godhead. So if I say I represent God, I don't stand in God's place. I I speak God's word when I read the scripture and hopefully I divide them rightly. But man, I don't represent God to my people or my family or my kids or my wife. That's there's some messed up theology there, guys. How insecure do you have to be to tell your people to prepare yourself for the pastor? What is wow. that? That is mm. that's well, so know, far beyond heresy. I don't even know what it is. Well, you know, JC, uh, I'll just address this very quickly, and I, I don't want to get bogged down in this. But Hope Church, one of our one of our rules regarding common language is we never refer to the church as my people. Yeah. You know, I, I heard that my entire life. And then, you know, Jesus said, if my people, which are called by my name, I don't have a people. Jesus has a people. Yeah. I'm serving Jesus people. It's when I start to deceive myself and believe that they belong to me, that I'm, I'm able to take a lot of unscriptural authority in the way that I deal with them. And that leads to that pastoral adultery that I talked about a little while ago. But even the mm-hmm. apostle Paul said, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. So only imitate those things in me that are Christ-like. And let me just be honest, and just to get it out here, because people say we only talk about the IFB, this isn't just an IFB problem. No, This no. is in all denominations. I've been part of non-denominational church and Southern Baptist churches where the pastor wouldn't reference himself as the man of God, but he had that Pope mentality. When I show up, you know, if that's a multi-site church or if that's, you know, something that is is going to be the lead pastor, this happens across the board. It's a pride issue. I know there's some churches, I'm not going to call out the name of it, but there's some that, uh, you know, the pastor will call himself the visionary. And, you know, we come under the great visionary, the great leader of that. That's not the independent fundamental Baptist MOG title, but that is a totally different reference for the same exact thing. And so it's not just an IFB problem. This is a sin sick man problem. Yes. You know, one of the most famous contemporary pastors in the nation staff are ordered to stand each time he enters the room. Yeah. And one staff member a little while back was given testimony to the fact that where they were located and working was in a corridor that the pastor would frequently walk in passing from his office to wherever he might be going inside of the building. And throughout the day, every single time he would walk in the room, their work was interrupted over and over and over again because they would have to stand the moment he entered the room and they are not allowed to sit down until he actually fully exits the room. 
that is a strong contemporary, an outrageously yeah. contemporary church, but the very same thing we're talking about now. I know somebody that worked at this said church, and his first day on the job, pastor walks in and everybody stands. He didn't know what he was doing, so he stood up, and this pastor said, looks like we got some new staff members on. Somebody fill them in before the day's over. Like, that is this mentality of of pride. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Pastors need to remember that we are ultimately servants of Jesus Christ. That's right. We're not professionals. We can dress like bankers. We can dress like lawyers. But at the end of the day, we are slaves of Jesus Christ. Pastor, that means you're not too good to weed eat and mow grass and dig a ditch on work days. Because the Bible clearly says what the preacher's job is. And painting and construction is not the pastor's job. And some of you think it is. Some of you are like, well, where are you at 10 o'clock? Or, well, where are you at this time? Or, well, where are you? How come you're not working as hard as me? I, I don't, look, I, I understand all that. We're always looking at everybody else to see what's fair and what isn't fair. But spiritual people who pray for the pastor, they don't have a bitter spirit about them. They just, they just don't. They just don't have a bitter spirit about them. They love their pastor. And I believe Philemon had received one of the greatest compliments in verse 22 when Paul said, hey, through your prayers. I wonder if your pastor thinks you have much of a prayer life right now. If I needed something prayed about, would I come to you? You say, I don't know, Pastor. Well, here's a good indication. I've been the pastor here for 16 years. How many times have I personally come to you about something for me to pray about? So it's a fair question. And you said, well, not, not, not me. I, it's not fair. You know, well, I, I, would, I would plant that in my heart as a desire to have. That if God ever needed, if, if pastor ever needed someone to pray for him, that he would believe that my prayers will be effectual and fervent, and I'm a righteous person. For the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I may come and ask you to do a job, but if I come ask you to pray over something, that says something. A lot of times we don't even think about, you know, he's never asked me to pray for him on anything. That's a good, that's an indictment to maybe I'm not praying for my pastor. I believe this. When people are seriously praying for their man of God, he knows it. Those people aren't serving you. They're serving Jesus. It means, pastor, you're not too good to get out the vacuum cleaner and, and help vacuum the building. You're not too good to unclog a toilet on a Sunday morning when a kid thought it would be funny to put both of their socks down in the toilet. I live that one, by the way. (laughs) I didn't come up with that off the top of my head. We're not too good. And as a matter of fact, the day that I was doing that, the water had had already, you know, come out of the toilet and it was on the floor about a half inch deep. And there I am standing in the water and plunging the toilet. And, And someone who was an older member walked in and they said, Pastor, you can't be doing that. 
And my response was, why not? Uh. And their response was, because you're the pastor. I said, no, that's the very reason I should be doing it. Yeah. Because yeah. I need to be reminded that yeah. anything I do to serve Jesus, if it's preaching in the pulpit or if it's plunging socks out of a toilet, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and anything and everything I do needs to be for his glory. And so the moment a pastor develops a professional's mentality, mm. I think that should be seen as disqualifying um, because I doubt I doubt seriously once it becomes about the money and once it becomes about the image, I doubt seriously at that point it's about Christ. Mm. And guys, let's be honest, ever since Christian ministry has existed, the first Christian ministers were the disciples, the apostles. Right. And they were arguing about who the greatest was and who was going to sit on Jesus' right hand and on his left hand. And Jesus said, the greatest among you, if you want to be the greatest, be the servant of all. And wow. I think that's still the mandate for us today. And we're not saying, because I know the pushback, we get pushed back every week from guys that I'm sure have our best interest at heart and they just want to protect us and they're looking out for our souls. Jeez. But I know we're going to get pushed back on this and say, you're just saying we're not supposed to respect God's man and God's... No, the Bible says in, in Hebrews that you should obey those that have rule over you. Submit yourselves to them. They're, they're watching out for your souls and they must give an account. Uh, we're told that the... the uh, Paul says that they're worthy of honor. They're worthy of double honor. And he even talks about providing for their physical needs and, and being paid to be in the ministry and, and things like that so they can devote themselves to the study of the word. We're not saying you shouldn't respect pastors. You shouldn't respect people in a position of authority, especially a God-given position of authority. That That is actually a fruit of the Spirit when you love and respect those that God has put over you. But when you're demanding that and how you do that, mm. man, that, that speaks volumes. And when that's your primary concern and you get up there every week over and over and over and over and over again about how important I am and look at me and how blessed you are to have me, that, that's a problem, fellas. Yeah, it is. Well, that's yeah, why guys run around calling each other doctor when they know their doctorate is yeah. as fake as a $3 bill. Yeah. Why in the world would you want the title doctor when you can have the biblical title of pastor? Yeah. It, it's about image, man. And, and I'm not saying there aren't guys out there who haven't earned the title and, and that they, they, they wear that title honorably. I'm not saying that. But it wouldn't matter if I earned a doctorate from the greatest seminary on the face of the planet. Man, I wouldn't exchange the title pastor which is a God-given title for any mm. man-made title. Yeah. Well, let's look at some of these that I believe the Independent Fundamental Baptist denomination. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Yes. The Independent Fundamental Baptist movement that has become a denomination. They just deny it. Um, these are some qualifications that I think let me just say that I know are lacking among many of your leaders. And hey, if you want to call out, you know, where we're at, that's fine. Do it. We, we all need to call things out that we see wrong in people's lives. But we represent 
man, I think we figured it up close to a hundred years of ministry. And uh, this is things that we witnessed firsthand. We saw men that were disqualified. We saw men have affairs. We saw men stand up and yell and scream about how women were dressed in the church and they were sleeping with a couple of them. We, we saw men yell and scream about music styles and they were gluttonous and, you know, had all sorts of things out of control in their life, addicted to substances. So we've seen all sorts of things, but these are the things on this list of 17 that I really see as things that we need to check up on men. And the first one is being humble. Hmm. I love a bold pastor that will stand up and shut the corn, as they say, and preach the word and preach it boldly. But you can preach in confidence and still be humble. You can preach boldly and still be humble. I've seen so many pastors bully their flock from the pulpit. And so much of what goes on is not in any way under the category of humility. We have to speak in humility when we speak God's word. The next one is gentleness. A shepherd is called to be gentle. And no, that doesn't mean breaking legs of sheep. I know that's the favorite uh, historical statement, and I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't think there no, is. Our, our friends over at 26 all. Letters, they, they dealt with that, and I haven't listened to that episode, but I'm, I'm going to. They've got me very intrigued. So the le- brought to you by the letter L, I've got to listen to that one. But gentleness is a mark of a shepherd. Peaceful. Pastors, we're called to be peaceful men. Mm-hmm. You know, we, all three of us, all, all of us spend time on social media and calling out other people on this podcast. And there is a bit of contending for the faith that we're called to do, but we're called to be people of peace, especially as it relates to our, to the flock of Christ that he has given us responsibility for and that we're overseeing. Given to hospitality, that's another one. Pastors, evangelists, I've seen guys that think the church exists to cater to their every needs. As, and I'll quote one this week that was on Sermon Clips to buy their suits to, uh, you know. When they show their, up, they show up with a Starbucks for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the church exists to serve them. What, what are you doing to show hospitality to the people of God? I mean, that's what Bill said, not to harp on Bill again, but I mean, he gives us content, but he said this week, he said, I'm not saying you should do this, but it would be nice that you honor your pastor that when I show up and if you're meeting with me, that you come with the Starbucks. It'd be really nice. What? Well, that you should even serve him with your facial expression. Yeah. You know, you exist to embolden his ego. What's old Hamblin say in 20 something years? I've never never bought a cup of coffee <laughs> because people are given to the man of God. But who cares? <laughs> what Sorry. about being, what about being self-controlled? Now, now we've had pastors in the heat of the moment, fly off on us, calling us God haters, calling us all sorts of things, saying we don't believe the fundamentals, saying there are things that, that just aren't true. You know what that's doing? That is losing their temper that is not being self-controlled that is speaking before you have all the information and pastors are called to be men of self-control 
upright in how you treat other people? I mean, come on. How are you treating the people of God? You're called to be upright. And the one that really stood out to me and the one I really want to talk about is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7 says, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders mm. so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. Thought well of by outsiders. I've got a couple stories for you, okay? So one guy that is a very vocal critic of ours, we've even had him on our episode, went to a Greek Orthodox service in his community. And while they were having a holiday service, held signs, yelled and screamed, turn or burn, repent or perish, blowing air horns, interrupting their service. Let's just say that none of those people are saved. I don't know a lot about the Greek Orthodox uh, faith, the denomination. I don't know a lot about it, but let's just say they're all lost. Are any of those people looking upon him with respect and looking well upon him for disrupting their service? That's no. not what we're called to do. That's Westboro Baptist crap yes, is what that is. And by the way, outsiders would also talk about groups like homosexuals. How do they think about you? Now, it's one thing for, for homosexuals to come after you, but when you go after a group like that, any group of unsaved people that have rejected the gospel, and you call them things like pumpkins because they're the biggest fruit and start online wars and battles that end up just going all out of control, and that whole community knows you as a preacher that hates them, that's not being looked on well by outsiders. Guys, so many pastors in the IFB are standing up and calling sinners names, derogatory names from the pulpit, and, and they think it's a badge of honor. One of the qualifications from your King James Bible is that you be looked well upon by people who are outside of the faith, and that you're gentle, and that you're humble, and that you're peaceful, and that you're hospitable to people. Yeah, it was the Pharisees who said if he knew what manner of woman this was. Mm. Pastor Jim Cimbala at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, they had um, someone show up completely in transgender dress. Um, he actually said at first he, he thought this person was a woman, went over to speak. The person spoke with a, a deep voice, a masculine voice, and that's when he realized this is not this is not a woman. This is a man dressed as a woman. That individual was shown the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And in the end, Pastor Cimbala, after this person's conversion, had the opportunity to perform his wedding to his wife. And he became an active part of the church and the ministry there. It makes all the difference in the world. I yeah. love those things that you're sharing. I worked at a church, my very first youth group uh, that I was ever uh, a pastor full-time at. And we had a big Thanksgiving event. Nathan, I'm pretty sure you brought a bunch of Young America kids yeah. to this. And, uh, man, it was an awesome event. Uh, we had eight or nine that got saved that night. Uh, 
the only thing that got broke out of this whole we, we had like two three hundred students show up and the mm. only thing that got broke was a metal sign that went over an exit sign and so I balled it up, threw it in the trash, and I was like, "Woo! thank God that's the only thing that got broke. The, the exit sign still works. Didn't think anything about it. Come in on Sunday, and that sign had been put on my desk with a note from the pastor that I'll talk about here in a minute. said, we never want those hellions in our church gymnasium again. And I just left it sitting there. I left it sitting on my desk because I was like, that is the mentality of this church that it's for us. It's not for these kids. Three of those kids that were hellions gave their life to Jesus at that event. But they were more worried about a metal sign over an exit sign than about the souls of those kids. And I just, I always go back to that, like that, what I felt like in that moment to be so high that the fact that these kids said yes to Jesus, yeah. but because they didn't meet the criteria of the pastor of this man of God, they weren't allowed back in the church. Ooh, that's scary. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And you know, while I was at this same church, uh, this same pastor was the one that just a few months after I started was gone because he embezzled thousands, if not millions of dollars, uh, wow. swindling it right out, was sending it underground to build a house in Nicaragua, which by the way, he's still at because you can't be extradited from there. Um, you know, I, I, we, we hear stories of that. There's stories that I hear. I had a buddy that's a pastor that many of you know, Jared Wilson, who uh, took his own life a couple years ago. Not Jared Wilson that we had on the podcast, but Jared that was out in California. There's Pete uh, in Nashville. There's so many pastors that are at that point of being disqualified from the ministry. And guys, I got to be honest, I think some of the reason that we tend to go down this road it's because there's burnout, which is right on uh, the forefront, if you will. I think I don't think it's for all of these guys. There's a lot of these guys that IFP preacher clips that we'll talk about. They're just jerks. Like these guys, let's be honest, they're just jerks. And it's who they are, and they know what to say to keep their base fired up. The guys mm -hmm. like Hamblin, the guys like Cody Zor, and the, guy, the, the guys that will say these things, they've got to say those things in order to keep their meetings coming in because that's the precedence that they've set. But there's a lot of pastors that may be listening or watching this um, that you are on the verge of disqualifying yourself and it could be because there's burnout. I believe that when you start burning out, you stop doing what's right and you start doing what's easy. I think that mm. burnout happens. I don't know about you guys, but I've been in that place yeah. and it, it was scary because I felt myself moving into this role that I was like just doing. It, it's when ministry becomes a job. I think when ministry becomes a job, you start looking at it as a call, stop looking at it as a calling and you start looking at it as a vocation to just make money. And people had warned me that, you know, that burnout could happen, but I always thought I could prove them wrong. You know, that uh, I was... I was bigger than that. I think that's a problem is that pride. A lot of people think I'm bigger than burnout. I'm bigger than falling in, into one of these. Hey, we're all one decision away from stupid. Um, we've yeah. got to stay humble. We have to. And I, I think that's something that we hear all the time is, oh, we're just doing this podcast because we got to stroke our egos. And, and guys, listen. My identity is not the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Like, life is going to go on with my calling if this podcast ended tomorrow. It's not been this last year. Um, 
we've had fame. I, I, I don't know if we can get that across, but like we've lived in this world of fame before. It sucks. It's empty. I don't like it. I mean, like I've taken the selfies and signed the autographs and done all that stuff in the Southern gospel world. It, it's empty. So we're not doing this to stay uh, stoking our egos, which a lot do. But I think what happens is pride. We don't put up those guardrails. And I'll be honest uh, about, man, about five years ago, four years ago, I found myself on the edge and I felt like I was falling into this place of burnout. And there were decisions that were being made that I was like, wait a second, nothing that disqualified me, but but paths that if I kept going down or started going down uh, could disqualify uh, myself and others that I saw doing that. And I, I think the route that I got on, uh, I, I experienced burnout in a very weird way. Um, it actually happened at a at an awkward moment because I wasn't expecting this this anxiety or whatever you call it to come up. But my daughter chopped her finger, got her finger chopped off with an axe. I don't know if we told you all about that. We were on a cruise to come back, and Bubba picked up an axe and chopped her finger off, literally like her ring finger on her left hand. Good and it grief. just brought out in me a lot of this stuff that I had been building up for all these years, like just this performance base, just trying to please everybody, doing the right things this depression that was under the surface that I didn't know was there. And it took that moment. And what I realized then is, man, I'm just kind of going through the motions. Mm. Burnout is coming. And I wrote down, and maybe you're listening tonight, and I don't know why I want to give you these, but I think if I could give you some things that could help you see the edge uh, before you veer off the path and use these as a guardrail before you disqualify yourself, because some of you who are listening, you may be in the middle of something right now that's about to disqualify yourself. Uh, you maybe have done something and you need to confess that and repent and start walking down the path of that. Maybe you're starting to dabble in that or uh, it's coming. But I think if you could see the edge before you get over that one, uh, your motivation has faded. You're just not motivated by it. the thing that fueled you is gone. Uh, it's vaporized. You've become self-centered. Your preaching, your teaching is all about you. Uh, that, that's a big problem. I think you, uh, your main emotion is numbness. You don't feel highs or lows. You just kind of are going through the motion. Uh, my pastor here at Connection Church, he wrote a book uh, a couple years ago. In that book, uh, he, he was talking about uh, just the numbness that he felt. He said, man, there's a better story. He felt like there were areas in his life that were going to disqualify him from the ministry, and it really all stemmed from this burnout mode that he was just numb. He was just kind of going through the motions. I think when you're getting to this point, people drain you. People is our ministry. What Brian just talked about, the bride of Christ, we're called to be their servants. We're called to serve God by serving them. But when you get to burnout mode, people start draining you. I think the it's the little things that make you angry. Um, there's just little things that will set you off. Like you just talked about, Nate, some of those self-control and peace and, and all of those. When you start losing your cool over small things, it's a sign that something deep is very wrong. I think you need to be aware of that. Uh, you become cynical. Your productivity drops. You start self-medicating food, substance, sex, external relationships, disqualifying sins. Um, you don't laugh anymore. That's a big one. I think you sleep and you take time off, but it doesn't refuel you. And I think there's some big red flags. I mean, some of you got more red flags than Panama City during a hurricane, and they're, you're <laughs> going down a path, but it may be that your soul 
is just struggling. You work in ministry, and guys, I think you would agree with me, some of the most spiritually dry times in life have been while working in ministry because you're doing ministry, but you're not being ministered to. You're not leading from the overflow. There was a book that I found uh, that I've been able to give to a bunch of pastors, guys that are making some pretty bad decisions that are about to disqualify themselves that have those red flags. There's a book by Lance Witt. It's called Replenish. And I would highly recommend this book. He goes in and he talks about the stages that lead up to disqualification, the burnout that happens in your life, in your soul, that leads you to make bad decisions. And when your soul is not right, you're going to start making some bad things. You're going to start preaching and teaching some of the stupidity that we have heard today on this episode. When your soul is not right, your ministry cannot be in a healthy place. And I just want to just throw it out there to say, hey, if you're listening to this and you're struggling and you feel like you're veering off the course, let us help you put some guardrails up. Reach out to us. Go to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the uh, message tab and shoot us an email. We get to those emails. We'll read those. We'll we'll find some accountability for you. Um, we got a guy coming on here in the next couple of weeks, Billy Mills, who uh, helps in an area that a lot of pastors are, are struggling with in the pornography and sexual addiction. He, he, he said today, uh, he sent me a text. He said, I got a pastor that just reached out that said, man, I'm going to have to step down from ministry. He said, I'm so deep in this. I've disqualified myself. Listen, we are one decision away from stupid. Don't be a statistic. Get help. If you're struggling, if you're going through the performance mode, find help reach out. I think a lot of times what we're doing is we have to keep this image up. And that's why we start showing how insignificant and little we really are when we demand our congregation to love us. We demand our congregation to respect us. When we don't keep the list of qualifications that you two have so eloquently presented today, we start going down the wrong path. Don't become a statistic. That's the whole reason that we've done this episode today is to say, hey, we want you to stay qualified because the calling is an incredible thing. We can be used by God to do incredible things if we keep our focus on him. Let's yeah. put some guardrails up and keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. JC, that's a good word, man. Another book I would recommend. Have you guys ever read uh, Wayne Cordera's book, Leading on Empty? I, do. I have not, but I really like Wayne Cordero. He's awesome. Author. Right there. That's leading on empty right there. Wow. Well, you know, Wayne Cordera, he, one of the most famous pastors in the country, pastors one of the largest churches in one of the most sought-after destinations, Hawaii, mm. on the face of the planet. I feel called. <laughs> and Wayne Cordera uh, was completely burnt out, JC, just like you've just described. He was actually stateside. He was supposed to be preaching at a conference. His anxiety, Nathan, got so bad that he just went out of his hotel and just started running. Well, the conference started, and Wayne Cordero was not there. And so they actually went out looking for him, and they found him miles and miles away, sitting on the sidewalk in tears, crying uncontrollably. And that led to, I think, months of him being out of the pulpit. So, JC, I believe with all my heart that that was needed, what you just shared. Yeah. I heard a guy preach a very powerful message in March. I mean, a very powerful message. And it, it's one of those top five in my book that I've heard. And two months later, he was done with ministry. He said, I've been preaching it. 
but I've not been living it. And I think a lot of people preach it, but we don't live it. And that's what we're calling you to today is to, to live it out. Live out the qualifications of a pastor. Live out the, the life that Jesus came to give us in John 10, 10. Yeah. And get help. It's okay. Go to a counselor. I think that's something that we don't do a lot is we don't go to counselors. We think that that's for, you know, insignificant, like little sissy boys that they'll go sit on a couch. Listen, yeah. I sat on the couch at my counselor's office and I just started unloading all of this stuff. And I think we look at counselors in the IFB world, especially, and we think that's for sissy boys. That's for people that don't have their life mm. together. Well, dadgummit, none of us have our life together. Yeah. And what he helped me do is just go deep and really start bringing to life some of those feelings that we had um, and helped me get over that. It helped me get to a place where I could lead on full and not on empty. Yeah, and I think a, the problem with a lot of these guys that are in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church is that they don't have any accountability. They yeah. think they're doing what's right. They've been trained and they've been taught to block people out, that they're in a class of their own, you don't associate with the sheep. You just you block them out, and there's no accountability from other pastors. You're independent, yeah. and I think that is one of the things that leads to all of these other disqualifying sins and patterns in their life because there's no vulnerability, there's no yeah. transparency, there's no accountability, and we were not created. JC, you say this all the time. We were not created to do this alone. We're created to live in community. That's right. God himself is a community. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have lived in eternal community, perfect community forever. Yeah. And we were created in their image, and we need one another. JC, Brian, I need you guys. Yeah. We have some deep conversations. I've confessed sins to you guys. I've reached out to you. JC, you met me at a point in my life where, man, I was burnt out. I was hurt. And, and I sat there and just unloaded and told you some things I wasn't telling anybody else. And dude, you loved me enough to speak the truth. I told you, but you, you spoke it in. you did in that moment Straight and, up. and you spoke the truth, but you also spoke it in love because you followed up with me and you stayed in touch with me Amen. and you challenged me, Brian, yeah. you've been a, a man in my life that I've, I've come to in seasons of marriage issues and struggles in, in personal integrity struggles. I've come to you and you've ministered to me and you've held me accountable and you followed up with me and asked me difficult questions. We've prayed together. We've confessed sins together. And mm -hmm. I need that in my life. Guys that don't have this, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, We can argue on Twitter all day long, but guys, you're missing something. Yeah. Pastors, we understand. We know Sunday is not the only day you work. We get that you're on call 24-7. We know that marrying and burying people, it takes an emotional toll on you. We know that being a pastor is a lonely place at times. We know that we're judged and criticized, and social media throws a whole other level into that. Uh, we know it's hard to hear constant criticism and various thing, uh, varying opinions. We get the struggle about being a workaholic and taking time for your family. Like we get that stuff, but that's why we've got to have community because all those things that I just listed, 
it takes an effect on me as a pastor. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. this this last year and a half, having you two as not just brothers doing a podcast, but as accountability, it's helped me because I've been able to get on here before we started recording. I'm like, dude, this week sucked, and here's why. Mm-hmm. I'm a horrible dad. Like, I spent more mm-hmm. time thinking about this. And, and Brian, you know, you'll come in and give me an encouraging word. And Nathan, you're like, hey, me too, brother. Here's how we, And we hold each other accountable through that. We've yeah. got to have community. I believe that if these guys – and here's the – if I could just be honest, the thing that just ticks me off is these guys will get on because they're in that brotherhood and they will not call out the junk that we see on social media, but they'll say, we're just trying to cause conflict and stir up emotions in other people. No, we're calling it out across the board. Like we just called out IFB, SBC, M-I-C-K-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Like we'll call it out <laughs> because we need to have guardrails put in place because without it, we're going to become a statistic. And this podcast was created to not see people go down that road of being statistics. JC, Nathan, I think we would readily confess that we need one another. Pastors need one another. Ultimately, we need a strong relationship with Jesus. And I know there have been seasons in my life when I pastored and preached through seasons of coldness, and I should have been sitting down on a seat Mm. and having to listen. Uh. I should have been going through a process of restoration in my own life. And so, Nathan, you just talked about a moment ago having seasons of struggle in your own life. So, Nathan, here's my question. What is a pastor who's listening to this who is in the process of disqualifying himself. Because, you know, most of the time we only hear about the husband of one wife, and if you've only been married once, well, you're good to go. I love that we haven't spent our time on that, but we've talked about an overarching, overall disqualifying. But the pastor who's in the process of disqualifying himself or the pastor who's in that season of coldness, what would you say to that pastor, Nathan, that he needs to do immediately? First of all, I would say cast yourself upon the grace of Jesus. He is our shepherd. We're under shepherds, but Jesus is our shepherd, and we need to cast ourselves upon his grace because he's loving, he's gracious, he's patient with us. He doesn't throw us off the train every time we mess up. I mean, he is a gracious, loving, merciful Savior. So we need to cast ourselves upon that. Ask him for forgiveness. Live in a lifestyle of repentance. Secondly, we need to be in touch with other guys that can hold us accountable. You need to be talking to other pastors. There's so many pastors I know that don't have a pastor. Mm. I consider you guys my pastors. I have a pastor here, Chad Gamble, that, man, he helps me. We have conversations. We go deep. We get real with each other. If you don't have a pastor, you're living outside of God's prescribed way of life for believers because yes. because yeah. guess what you're a sheep too yeah yeah you're an yeah. under shepherd but you're still one of god's flock you're a sheep you're you right. need a shepherd you Amen. need a pastor so you need to be accountable to someone and guys some of you just need to step down some of you need to have enough integrity to go to your deacon board your elder board and say I'm no longer qualified to be a pastor. I need to be there for my wife. I need to be there for my kids. I need to overcome this addiction. I need to 
be real and stand up in the pulpit and share that with your people and set a pattern for them. Maybe the best way you can shepherd your flock right now is by saying, I'm not qualified to be here. And let's, if we can't be real, if we can't confess our sins, we can't shepherd anybody else in how to do that. Man, that's a good word. What you've just described, Nathan, is actually living with integrity. Yeah. And it's believing that our time in the pulpit is minimal in comparison to our lives outside of the pulpit. Yeah. Brian, would you lead us in prayer? I, I feel like we need to pray for some of the pastors. And hey, this could this could apply to moms, dads, Sunday school teachers, people that aren't even in the ministry but yet they are they are struggling with accountability or, or integrity or whatever and sins that can disqualify them in their christian walk would you pray for our listeners right now because a lot of them i think in this moment wherever they're at in their car in their home listening to this at night out on a run whatever they need to feel that that god still cares and that they're not a lost cause yeah let's pray uh, Heavenly Father, first of all, I would ask you to uh, remind JC, Nathan, and myself that we are constantly in desperate need of you. Yeah. That we're absolutely nothing apart from Christ, and our only hope is that we are hidden in Christ. That we are not we're not judges, we're not supreme authorities over anyone, and by virtue of the fact that we're doing this podcast and having this conversation. It doesn't mean that we've lost sight of who we really are at the end of the day and how desperately we need you in grace and forgiveness and love and patience and kindness and in long suffering. Lord, I pray for every single pastor who's listening to this podcast right now, even those that we would disagree with because we're aware of the fact that they listen as well. Lord, I pray that you would help them know that we love them and, and Lord, that we even long for their spiritual well-being. Lord, I pray right now for those that have been been taught that abusing the church is preaching. Lord, help them to realize that preaching is the declaration of your word for the sanctification of your body. Lord, just give them a heaviness about the sin of abusing the pulpit and ultimately abusing your people, your bride. Lord, I also pray for those that are discouraged. Pastors are leaving the ministry at a rate unlike anything we've ever seen before. And they're depressed and discouraged right now. And they've tried to save the body coming out of COVID. And, and they've tried to save the church. And, and Lord, help them realize that they are not a functional Savior, that you are the Savior of the church. And we don't have to save your church, Lord. Only you're capable of doing that. And then, Lord, for those that are just about to throw in the towel, I pray, Lord, that they would confess that to another pastor, that they would find the help and the accountability and the strength that they need. And, Lord, you've given us one another for a reason. And then, Lord, for those who are in sin today, Lord, help them to be honest. We stand up and preach that we can't be saved apart from really confessing our sin well, Lord, help us to believe that we can't be saved from our sin apart from really confessing our sin. And I pray that there are pastors right now that would go 
to a pastor friend and say, I'm getting ready to tell you something that's going to rock your world, but I've got to get this off my chest. Lord, help us to be honest and realize that, um, that we're just sinners saved by grace, that we're not perfect, that we're not capable, that we don't have any strength of our own. Lord, strengthen your, your pastors, those that you've called, and then, Lord, those people who serve and love pastors, those people who are faithful to sit under the preaching of pastors, help them to be an encouragement. Help them to be a guardrail, as JC has mentioned. Lord, help us to do all for the sake of your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Guys, it's been a good episode. Heavy, but needed. Definitely needed. And uh, I'm thankful that you guys are willing to continue to put ourselves out there and talk about difficult conversations like this. And, uh, you know, it's no wonder that, that so many people have focused on the husband of one wife because when you keep the attention of the qualifications of a pastor on the husbands of, of one wife or a one-woman man or can he be divorced or not divorced, man, that avoids having to ad- address all these other issues of yeah, humility and gentleness point. and peacefulness. It's huge. Wow, man, there's so much here that honestly you people just aren't preaching this stuff. I want to hear some pastors stand up and preach on this and and hold themselves accountable rather than what everybody else is doing wrong. Well, you know, this episode even makes me aware of issues in my life and Same issues too. In, in, in my pastoral yeah. ministry. And uh, yeah. let's just be honest, a lot of times all of us walk the line that we could easily fall over into disqualification. Yeah. Yep. Brian, I'm just glad you're sober tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no Uh, NyQuil yet. Yeah, no NyQuil yet. That's right. Guys, I love you. Thank you for uh, being good accountability and uh, just brothers as we do this ministry, glorifying God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in him and uh, helping folks. That's what we are here to do with this podcast. And uh, I pray that we just continue on to point people to Jesus and help them break those chains of legalism. So it's been a good episode. Well, I am super excited about this weekend and getting to hang out with some of our fam. Statesboro. And community. It's going to be nice and warm. And uh, the TMT Farms. Now, this place is a little unique. I got to let you know this. You're going to drive onto the farm, and you're going to drive back. And I'm telling you, there's like a whole western city back there. It's a little (laughs) awkward. uh, But we're going to be meeting in this nice pavilion. They have an actual chapel back there called the Wildwood Chapel. And that's where we're going to go and just sing and share stories and hear some singing and an encouraging word. I'm, I'm so fired up just to be able to sit down and talk to our family. So it's going to be good. That's this weekend. We still got about 45 spots left. So go and sign up at recoveringfundamentalist.org. All right. Hey, JC, just before we, we end up, I just got to let you know, earlier when you said that your your nose and your feet were all mixed up and your nose was running <laughs> and your feet were smelling, that's, I don't know where you come up with this stuff, man. <laughs> You know, there is brilliance in there. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, there's brilliance in there. Well, Brian, it's just because you're carrying us that I have time to be childish and think of those things. So it's all because of you, buddy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Guys, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday. Love you guys. Be sweet.
Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.